you would turn in your Bibles to Isaiah chapter 43, 43 verse 7. We'll be there in just a moment, Isaiah 43, 7. One of the great privileges we have as believers is to take times like this to worship the Lord. Very important. And as you can probably understand, there are multitudes of people in our world today who have no understanding of the fact that God calls us to worship Him. He is worthy of our worship. This time that we're here together is a uh, very special time. Um, the Lord Jesus said when Satan actually approached the Lord and said, if you bow down and worship me, I'll give you the kingdoms of the world. And Jesus said, you shall worship the Lord your God, and him only sh- shall you serve. Um, this is a, a command of the Lord. It's, it's a high privilege for us to come here to worship. And I really believe that there are multitudes of people who do not understand the value the importance of and the privilege of worshiping the Lord like we are doing this morning. Uh, There are some uh, inserts in your bulletin on this study this morning, and uh, you'll see that there's a definition given there, and it says, uh, Worship is expressing to God the love and devotion that is due to Him because of who He is and because of all He does for us. He is worthy of our time here this morning for sure. Another definition is worship is the activity of glorifying God in his presence with our voices and our hearts, from our hearts. And uh, this is uh, certainly true of what we're experiencing right now. Uh, We sing, and when we sing, we sing to the Lord. Uh, When we read the word of God, we're allowing God's word to become part of our thinking and our experiencing uh, what he has done for us. And yes, We are right now, right here, in the presence of the Lord. I like that other definition. It says uh, worship is the activity of glorifying God in his presence with our voices and from our hearts. Now, um, that term or that phrase to glorify God, it's used often in Scripture. Uh, God wants us to bring glory to him. We're here for a reason. The purpose for our very existence it's because of him. Now just think about that and think how many people don't get that at all and have this concept in mind that, well, I don't really need to go to church. By the way, we don't go to church. We are the church. Amen. The church is people, not the building. Nowhere in the New Testament is the church referred to as a building. In fact, they didn't have a building. They met in homes as they worshiped the Lord. So uh, it's very important that we understand that the Lord loves us and called us to meet together in the body of Christ in order to glorify Him. In fact, all aspects of our lives are designed to bring glory to Him. And that's why the Apostle Paul wrote in 1 Corinthians uh, chapter 10, he said, whether we eat or drink or whatever you do, do all to the glory of God. And uh, boy, that's, that's heavy duty. That's saying the things that we do, uh, and when we do them out of a right motive, they're going to count for the glory of God. Uh, God's going to work in your life. 
So the things you do during the week, not just on Sunday, but the things that you do during the week as a believer in Jesus Christ, the things that you do can bring glory to him. That's what, a, what an awesome privilege we have. This reference, I wanted you to start out by looking at it in 43.7. It says very clearly, Everyone who is called by my name, the Lord is speaking, of course, whom I have created for my glory, I formed him, yes, I made him. Now there it is, there's that clear statement that you're here for a purpose. God loves you very much, no matter where you are along the pathway and the journey and your relationship to God, God created you and all of us are here, created by God to bring glory to him. In other words, boy, you know, it takes time to get a grasp of this, but I'm not here because of me. I'm not here to promote me. I'm not here to uh, make uh, a name for myself. I'm here as a person to bring glory to God. I'm here in thankfulness to him, and we're going to see why we worship in a few minutes. Uh, there's awesome reasons, and these may not be reasons that you verbalize often, but there are good reasons why we are here together, and we'll get to these in a few moments. Worship is a time when we together glorify the Lord. In fact, the psalmist said in Psalm 34, verse 3, Oh, magnify the Lord with me. Let us exalt his name together. In the bulletin this morning, you will notice that I put down four aspects or essentials of worship given in Acts 2.42. Uh, when the early Christians met together, they met together for the apostles' doctrine, the things that the Lord Jesus Christ primarily taught them, things obviously they taught from the Old Testament scriptures, but they met together for the apostles' doctrine, the teaching of the word of God, God's word, God's truth. Uh, they met also together for fellowship, to share with one another, and when we come to worship like this, we see brothers and sisters in Christ, and we share what God has done for us. Just like we heard this morning, what's God doing in our lives? I mean, that was so refreshing to hear what God's done in Nick's life. And we're with him. We're, we're brothers and sisters in Christ of Nick. And uh, we come to church together to hear and to uh, fellowship and uh, share together what God has done for us. And then it's referred to in the Acts 2.42 passage, the breaking of bread. And we here at LBC, we have communion once a month on the first Sunday of the month, but it's open communion. You come and we take the bread, symbolic of the body of Christ, the, the cup, the fruit of the vine, symbolic of the shed blood of Christ. And we do this together uh, in order to honor our Lord. And then, of course, in prayer. The early Christians met often for prayer. Very important. And again, this time that we take uh, to open the scriptures, the scriptures were read for us earlier, is very important. I like what Martin Luther said. This is a quote from Martin Luther. Uh, Martin Luther, for a long time, was involved in a lot of ritual in, in, in the church in which he was uh, a priest. And it was ritual after ritual. And then after he came to faith in Jesus, he saw the value of studying the Word of God. You'll notice in that testimony this morning, three, four scripture verses were read because the Word of God is important. It's important that we hear it. I like what Martin Luther said. He said this, In worship we assemble to hear and to interact with God's Word. And then we praise God and sing and pray. 
the true heart worshiper will welcome God's full word of truth and will seek to respond to it, responding in praise and in prayer and in adoration and in a changed life because the word of God changes us. We hear again, we look at the scriptures and we see that we're here by God's design. The purpose for our being, we read in that Isaiah passage, is to bring glory to him. And this again, just seeing this again reminds me of the importance that when I live my life, I need to do it in a way that brings honor and glory to him. And when he does things for me, I have to say, praise the Lord for what he has done for me. Nick, praise the Lord because God brought the change in his life. He didn't one day say, well, I'm going to be a different guy. No, the Lord worked in his heart and worked in his life and showed him his need for Jesus. And Nick reached out to Jesus, and the Lord changed his life through the word of God. John chapter 4 is the account of Jesus meeting the woman at the well. We won't take a lot of time in the background of this. But in John chapter 4, it has been said, if you have it in your Bibles and you can look at it, uh, beginning in verse 20, you have the account of this woman at the well who, when Jesus first met her, did not have a relationship with Christ. In fact... The scriptures say she was a very immoral woman. Uh, She had many husbands, and the the man that she was living with at that present time when Jesus saw her, she wasn't married to him at all. And Jesus referred to that fact to cause her to see that she did have sin in her life. Okay, People don't come to Christ unless they realize there's sin in their lives. And so Jesus told her about her situation. He didn't condemn her. Jesus said in John 3, I've come not into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through me, Jesus said, might be saved. So Jesus points out her need to be saved from her sin. And she kind of like people do sometimes when you start talking about the need for Jesus Christ, the need for the gospel. They may change the subject a little bit. And so this woman embarks on the subject of worshiping and uh She said in 420 of John, Our fathers worshipped on this mountain, Mount Gerizim. And you Jews say that in Jerusalem is the place where we ought to worship. Jesus replied and said, The hour is coming when you will neither on this mountain nor in Jerusalem worship the Father. Here's one of your key phrases in all the Bible on the subject of worship. That's why we're putting this in there. Jesus' statement on worship. 423, Jesus said, The hour is coming and now is when true worshipers, those who really worship God, worship the Father in spirit and in truth. And the Father is seeking such to worship him. Now there's a lot in that verse. But you see, the Lord is looking for people who who love him, who want to worship him. If you're here this morning worshiping God, and you are, this pleases God. He's looking for people who will come into relationship with him, who will come to realize that he's the creator of the heavens and the earth and that we're here by his design. And we have purpose in life. We have things that we can do for his glory. God can use us in the human family and certainly uses us in the family of God. So uh, Jesus then says, the Father is seeking worshipers, but that phrase before there where he says, those who worship the Father must worship him in spirit and in truth. And there's your 
ultimate requirement for worship. True worship takes place in spirit. And that is not actually a reference to the Holy Spirit. It's a reference to your spirit, your human spirit. You see, we have a body, soul, and spirit. Okay? Soul and spirit is the immaterial part of man. And so when we worship God, I hope I can handle this correctly with you so you understand it. It's not just the fact that we're here bodily. It's not just the fact that being here we can sing good, and that's good. It's not just the fact that when we worship we might raise our hands and adoration and praise the God. That's good. That's okay. But the point is, from within us comes our love and devotion to the Lord. So we're watching these songs that we're singing, and they tell about how great is our God. And the Lord, the Holy Spirit speaks to your heart and says, listen, your God is awesome. You worship the true and the living God. You worship the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. And you are truly, and, and you start saying, Lord, I just thank you for your goodness to me. I hear this testimony of someone this morning. I say, Lord, thank you for bringing him to faith in Christ. And, oh, Lord, thank you for bringing me to faith in Christ. You, you're saying that from within. You're not verbally saying it, no doubt, but you're, you're responding to God in worship from your spirit. So those who worship God must worship him in spirit. And the last part, we're going to be touching on this a little bit, Worship him in truth. We understand who God really is. He's not Allah, by the way. Allah is not the God of the Bible. The God of the Bible is the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. And we'll touch on this in in a sense. So we worship the true and the living God, God the Father who sent his Son into the world to die on the cross for my sins. And again, oftentimes as believers, we, we say things like, wonder why the Lord has chosen me to have a relationship with him. How blessed I am to know him because he has chosen me. Jesus actually defines the God that we worship. This is very important. This is why there are many who say the key passage on worship in the Bible is that one in John 4 with Jesus. All right. Who is the God that we worship? Well, he's the Father in heaven. You'll notice that Jesus clearly said that we... Worship the Father. Did you catch that very carefully? Who is the Father? Remember, Jesus taught us to pray. And when he taught us to pray, he said you should pray to the Father in heaven. Now, I understand God is omnipresent, and he's present right here with us this morning. But there is the throne room of God in heaven, and we're going to be there someday. By the way, if you want to check up on where you're going to be someday in the future, read Revelation 4 and 5, because you have two throne room scenes there. And they're actually telling you what you're going to be involved in when you get up there. Uh, you're going to be, I mean, you're going to like this more all the time. You're going to be singing with a real good voice. You're going to be singing with the angels. Uh, the angels of God will be there. doesn't mean you're going to be always right around the throne. The Bible says when we're in heaven, we'll be serving the Lord. And there's a lot of activities that we'll be involved in. We'll be allowed to go from the throne room of God, that heaven and outer space. We'll be out allowed to go, uh, not only be there rather, but to come down to the earth, the new heavens and the new earth, Revelation 21, how awesome it will be, heaven is a real place and we are looking forward to that. So when we pray, we're praying to the Father in heaven, there is the real throne of God, Jesus Christ is the right hand, Jesus taught us to pray and when we pray we say, our Father in heaven, he is the Father of um, all things, that is, means he created all things, Revelation 6 
11. You created all things by your will. They are and were created. Uh, he's our father because we're, when we trust Jesus, we're brought together in the family of God. He's our heavenly father. He's the God and father of our Lord Jesus Christ. That's very important. Ephesians chapter 1 verse 3. I'm going to camp on this for a minute. The God that we worship is the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. If there are cults and groups like Jehovah's Witness and Mormons who do not believe that Jesus is the eternal Son of God, God the Son, they're not worshiping God. There's some kind of worship they're doing but you can't worship God apart from Jesus Christ. Do we understand that? The Apostle Paul said there's one mediator between God and man, the man, Christ Jesus. He's the God-man. When he became man, he still retained his deity, but he's also a true man. So when we go to heaven, we will know God the Father is there. We will see God the Son. We will see the nail prints in his hands, and there will be a... Uh, an evidence of the Holy Spirit as well when we're in heaven. So yes, Jesus said when you worship, you worship the Father in heaven. And uh, that we do. You know, you say, um, well, you're camping on this a little bit longer than some other points. And I am for a specific reason. Because we're living in a day. Remember Jesus said, they that worship God must worship him in spirit and in truth. Remember that one? We're living in a day when uh, people um, are really unclear on what God has to say about gender. There's only two genders specifically given in Scripture. Jesus referring to the Old Testament. God, Jesus Christ, God the Son, tells no lies, never overstates something. Jesus said the first man and the, f- the first woman, male and and female, God made them in his image, and they are joined together as husband and wife. So the marriage relationship is to between a male and a female, according to Jesus in Matthew chapter 19. When we worship, we worship the God who created the male and the female. And by the way, the God that we worship is the Father. Didn't you see that in John 4? You saw it, right? We worship the Father. Isn't it interesting, though? We're living in a day. i got to share this with you. The U.S. Episcopal Diocese votes to stop using masculine pronouns for God. They voted on it. No pronouns, masculine pronouns for God. You say, how can they do it? That's what I wonder, too. How can they do it? February 1st, 2018, the Episcopal Church in the Diocese of Washington, D.C. passed a resolution last week to stop using masculine pronouns for God in future updates of their Book of Common Prayer. The resolution to stop using gender language for God was passed quickly. If revision of the Book of Common Prayer is authorized to utilize expansive language for God from the rich resources of feminine, masculine, and non-binary imagery for God. That's what we want to do. Over the centuries, our language and our understanding of God has continued to change. It has their understanding, not the Bible's understanding. 
our understanding of God has continued to change and to adapt. The drafters of this resolution said referring to God using masculine pronouns is to limit our understanding of God. How sad that is. I mean, that is really sad. It's very sad when people cannot even understand the basic distinction between a man and a woman and there's only two sexes. That's a problem. And in Romans chapter 1, it says when people do not truly seek to worship the Father in heaven, it says there's a futility in the mind that takes place. And they begin to say things that are not right before God. Like, for instance, the baby in the womb is not human. That's a futile statement to make. That is so wrong. Is it not? Jesus said, if you're going to worship, you worship the Father in heaven. And you refer to him as the Father in heaven. Jesus taught us to pray. Didn't he teach us to pray, our Father in heaven, holy is your name. May your kingdom come. May your will be done. He's also spirit. Did you see that in 424 of John? Jesus goes on to say, God is spirit. And those who worship him must worship him in spirit and in truth. God the Father is without a body. He's a spirit being. He's very real. He's a person. But he's invisible. Jesus said no man has seen God at any time. And he, mean, he meant by that no man has seen God in all his fullness. Because if we were to be able to step into the presence of God with all his fullness in these bodies, we wouldn't survive. Didn't Jesus tell the children of Israel when Moses went up on the mountain and God came down and appeared to Moses and gave him the Ten Commandments? He said, don't let anybody else come on up here because there was a restriction with regards to seeing the presence of God. God is spirit. Now, quickly, God is worthy. I'm going to take a few more minutes on this. God is worthy of our worship. Revelation chapter 5, in the presence of the Lord, there are those who say, Lord, you are uh, worthy to take the scroll and to open the seals. Lord Jesus, you are worthy to bring the judgments upon the earth. That will be future from us. You are worthy because you were slain and you redeemed us by your blood. Then you go through the scriptures, and this is a fun thing to do. You find the reasons why you want to worship God. I just got a few. I'm just going to mention them to you. One of the first reasons we want to worship God, and by the way, the primary reason is because he's worthy of our worship. He is worthy. Secondly, let's use this one too. We worship God because of his love for us. And, and please keep this in mind. There are multitudes of people who, who don't understand that God loves them. And uh, they'll say things like, well, God, God loves other people, but he doesn't love me. And sometimes you'll say, well, God's never done anything for me. Well, yes, he has. Okay, But we need to be careful when we communicate this. We love God. We worship God because he loves us. And we read in Psalm 63, verses 3 and 4, Because of your loyal love, it is better than life itself. My lips shall praise you. I'm going to worship you. I will bless your name. I'm going to worship you. While I live, and I lift up my hands in your name. Because of your loyal love, I worship you. You know, if we stop there and say, you know, why do we worship God? You know, we love the Lord. We do. That's why we're here this morning. 
Right? We love him. He's an awesome God. He's awesome. Uh, who was it the other day we were talking to someone and they were talking about how God blessed them and brought them through surgery? It's somebody we just saw the other day. And he said, God has been, oh, yeah, we saw this lady in the doctor's office. And she said, God has been so good to me. She said, I had the kind of surgery I had, you know, where they open you up. I don't want to give you too, a lot of details on that, but you know what that's like. Heart surgery. And she said, I, I had to be opened up and, and closed up. And then she had, said, I had a few complications after that. And she said, but God's been so good to me. I was looking around to see if anybody else was listening in the doctor's office. <laughs> She said, I love the Lord for what he has done for me. <laughs> I can understand why, because I had heart surgery too. I can understand that. Secondly, uh, we love the Lord because of answered prayer. Very clearly in the word of God. My soul shall make her boast in the Lord. The humble shall hear of it and be glad. I sought the Lord and he heard me. And that could be translated, he answered me. Wow. You want to have, have a neat testimony service? We could do it. We do it by this, doing it this way. Tell what God has done for you. It doesn't matter how big or how little it was. What he did for you this past week. Wow. The testimonies will flow. How about this past year? Tell some of the things of the Lord. The Lord's helped you in some major decisions of your life. The Lord has helped you in your relationships with other people. The Lord has helped you on your job. It is amazing what the Lord has done. That's why we worship him. Another key reason we worship God is because of forgiveness of sin. Listen, I'm so thankful. I'm so thankful for forgiveness of sin. And I think of the psalmist who said, Lord, forgive me of the sins of my youth. Don't miss that. All of us, when we were back, when we were younger, we could all look back and probably say, there were things that I did in my youth I wish I hadn't have done. But the Lord's forgiven us. He forgives us, doesn't he? What an awesome God. And that's why Micah the prophet said, Who is a God like you who pardons iniquity and passes over transgressions? And then he goes on and he says, That's why, Lord, I worship you. Oh, there's several others. We worship God because he helps us. Blessed be the Lord because he has heard my voice and my supplications. My heart trusts in him and I am helped. Psalm 28. Many, many reasons. I'm going to give you another one. Got to do it. Got to do it. We worship God. We're here this morning. We worship him because of his daily provision. He takes care of us every day, day after day. Deuteronomy chapter 8, the Lord said to the people of Israel, don't miss this now. When you have eaten and are full, then you shall bless the Lord your God who brought you to this good land. Beware that you do not forget your God. He said, when you are eaten and you're full. So today, after your good lunch and your good dinner, what should you say? Thank you, Lord. I think it would be neat if we could make some signs and put them outside restaurants and say, are you full now? Thank God. Just a poor suggestion. That's why we worship him. The Lord says to the people of Israel, when you have eaten and you're full and you live in this land that flows with milk and honey, please don't forget me. And did the people of Israel follow that? No. No, they lived in a very beautiful land. 
and they, they forgot about the Lord's Christ. Lastly, quickly, there are dynamics of worship. When you and I come to worship the Lord together and our hearts are right, and remember, God's pleased that you're here. Remember the words of Jesus, the Father is seeking such to worship him. We delight in God. God is an awesome God. We delight in him. The psalmist said, Psalm 27, 4, One thing have I desired of the Lord, and that will I seek after, to dwell in the house of the Lord or the presence of the Lord all the days of my life to behold the beauty of the Lord. John Piper wrote a book called Desiring God. There's a lot of books that you can read on the Christian life. John wrote this book, Desiring God. And in this book he said, God is most glorified in me when I am most satisfied in him. I'm going to repeat that. God is most glorified in me when I am most satisfied with him. Remember now, people who do not have a relationship with Christ may get upset at God, might feel that God's not running the universe as he should. But we who know the Lord, we are satisfied with him. And like the lady said in the doctor's office, I love the Lord because he brought me through so much and has done so much for me and my family. I love him. I delight in him. God delights in us as well. We delight in him. God delights in us. Sometimes we forget that. That's Zephaniah 3.17. The Lord your God is your in your midst and he will rejoice over you. You know, it's a wonderful thing to be able to leave church and say, you know, not filled with guilt of things I haven't done. And sometimes the scriptures convict us of things that we need to do. But it's a wonderful thing to leave from church and to be able to say, my Father in heaven delights in me. He's watching over me. And yes, I drop the football. I do things sometimes displeasing to him, but he loves me. We need to keep that in mind, driving home. He loves us very much. We delight in God. He delights in us. We draw near to God. He draws near to us. There are clear references of Scripture, James chapter 4, verse 8. So in light of these things, we have one more thing to realize. As we're worshiping God, God ministers to us. We're here in his presence, and he ministers to us. He ministers to us in many ways. He encourages us spiritually. He refreshes our spirit. He strengthens our faith. He gives us encouragement to know the truths of the Word of God, specifically the one that says, boy, don't miss this one, I will never leave you nor forsake you. But Lord, what if I do this or what if I do that? The Lord says, I will never leave you nor forsake you. So first of all, the first principle of these essentials in worship is that we delight in God. Don't miss this when we leave. John Piper said, God is most glorified in me when I am most satisfied with him. There is nothing I could say today in complaint against God. He's an awesome God. He's a wonderful God. And sometimes we kind of grasp for words to share what we know about God with others. But we delight in God. In fact, last verse, Psalm 37, verse 4 
says, delight yourself also in the Lord. Learn to delight in God. Allow him to be the satisfaction of your life. You see, Jesus said, I am come that you might have life more abundantly. Jesus said that. And so, you see, you will not have a better life if you win the lottery and leave Christ out. You might have a lot more happiness for a while. But the good things in life come to us from our relationship with Jesus. And the more we love him, the more we delight in him, the more we will find that he delights in us. And there's your key to life and living. Delight yourself also in the Lord, and he will give you the desires of your heart. Let's pray together.